This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to The Bunker Daily. I am your host, Alex Andreu. My guest today has done things you people wouldn't believe. He set attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion, made sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhäuser Gate, navigated the one-way system in Maidenhead. Welcome to the bunker, Count Binface. Well, hello listeners and hello Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. And I must say, I was particularly excited to be invited to uh, the bunker because uh, given the current affair situation with world events, I thought there could be no finer place to be. But uh, far from being an anti-fallout installation, listeners, it turns out the bunker is merely a podcast studio in North London, which is slightly disappointing. I assure you we are completely nuclear blast protected here. I, oh, I'm pleased to hear it. Your Excellency, you have just published a book, What on Earth? An Alien's Guide to Fixing Britain. Why Britain? You have your pick of the entire galaxy. Why this planet? Why these islands? Very good question. Well, you've asked two questions there. Why, why this planet and why this country? Well, first, the planet. I mean, my main job is uh, the uh, uh, benevolent ruler of Sigma-9 and the entire Sigma quadrant, which is a, a fairly wide span of, uh, of space. But, uh, you know, I come here on my holidays. And I was, uh, it was 2017 of the Earth year when I was passing the Kuiper Belt when I intercepted a series of SOS distress transmissions coming from somewhere in an obscure solar system. And it said that somebody had called an unnecessarily impromptu general election <laughs> and that the people of this nation were crying out for some form of decent opposition. And, you know, I was at a loose end, so I thought, you know, why not change course and give it a whirl? So I popped down to Earth, took on Theresa May. Remember her? Yes, I remember. The Battle oh. of Magnet Leisure Centre. The Battle of the Magnet Leisure Centre Maidenhead. What a skirmish that was. Mm. And that's how it all began. And so it, Earth was just where I happened to be passing, and the United Kingdom seems to be the most deranged nation of the lot. So I thought it gave me a, a good opportunity to uh, elbow my way in. Mm. Your, your public life is very public, but you are very protective of your private life. Yes. Um, people like to know a little bit about anyone bidding for high office, the being behind the bin, so to speak. So tell us a little bit about growing up on Sigma 9 and the experiences that have shaped you. What makes Binface tick? Lovely question. I've never been asked that before about my time as a binling on Sigma 9. Well, it was, a, it was an interesting upbringing because uh, we, we have all kinds of... Uh, uh, skirmishes of our own in the Sigma quadrant. The uh, the Sigma planets have a quite a set too uh, every now and again. And and uh, my family um, raised me to believe that uh, that I am the best. And uh, I, <laughs> I I still hold that view. And I've taken that across uh, the galaxies. I have had some scarrings, and and you might say oh, everyone who goes into politics had have some kind of scarrings. Mm. I I remember a, a nursery rhyme. I was I was once told as a little binling. It goes like this. It goes, twinkle twinkle. Huge quasar, please don't eat our local star. 
but it, it, it did. And uh, that caused us a bit of problem for a while. But, you know, we are, we are now in the, uh, the starlit upland, so to speak, under my benevolent rule. <laughs> you first came to prominence, as you said, in the, in the Battle of the Magnet Leisure Centre when you stood against Theresa May as Lord Buckethead. Yeah. Why did you decide that democracy, rather than, say, vaporising your enemies, was the right path to power? Two things there. I mean, in terms of democracy, what I do, Alex, and I'm sure you're the same, I play by the rules of the game wherever I am. So if you guys choose to use democracy, I'll play by the rules of democracy. And the United Kingdom one is particularly interesting for a couple of reasons. One, you don't actually write down the rules of the game, which is fantastic. All the Brits do is they play the game and then they occasionally write down things and check to see if what they want to do next measures up with what happened in the past. So, you know, there was a nice bit of wriggle room there. And also, if you know the electoral system, you might know that actually you don't even have to be a human being to stand for election. Now, that is what I call a loophole and a half, a wormhole and a loophole. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, if all you need is 10 signatures from a few happy, lucky humans who come and meet me, and uh, 500 Earth pounds, and you can stand for election, why not give it a while? But, but I must take you up on this Lord Buckethead thing. Yes. Because uh, that was what I stood as in uh, 2017. Because uh, what happened was, I and my computer, Barry, did some analysis of Earth democracy. And in the United Kingdom, I was concerned that if I just, you know, waltzed down from my mothership and took you all on in an election, you might get a little bit weirded out. You know, mm. so I thought I need to do a bit of research. And I found out, did you know that in 1987, some cyborg decided to stand against Margaret Thatcher as a character called Lord Buckethead. And then whoever it was or someone else decided to do it again in 1992 against John Major. And after that, the title lay dormant for 25 years. Mm. So clearly there was this precedent. And I thought, well, look, if I come down here as Count Binface and freak you all out, that won't help me. So I'll adopt a cunning disguise. So what I did was I put a bucket on over the bin, reversed my cloak from silver to black, changed the old name to Buckethead, and you guys were none the wiser. And it worked a treat for a while. You say that, that this is your true identity, but we've had several years of suffering at the hands of leaders whose persona is entirely confected, so you must forgive my cynicism. No, no, How do I, we I know like your cynicism. This is the real you. How do, you, do we know you're not just a bucket with delusions of binhood? Well, I mean, you know, with, with politics, I, I, I'm a pretty straight kind of bin, you know? Not that anyone said anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to take me at, at trash can face value to some extent. I mean, look at me. I've come on the podcast to talk to you. Have you had any of the other mainstream politicians? No, no you have not. And so, you've been very open so far. And nor am I attacking your impartiality, like that Rhys Mogg figure, the Victorian ghost pencil doing on the BBC. So I, I do ask you to take me with some level of uh, respect that what I say is true. But also, you know, when I tell you that I stood under the moniker of Lord Buckethead, and then an American film producer who claimed some connection with the Hotel Transylvania series of whom the Times newspaper wrote of the third installment pretty much, this is why the terrorists hate us. <laughs> that guy decides to take me on and sort of force me to give him his, my old Twitter account and then help someone else stand as Lord Buckethead against me in the next election. Would I make that shit up? 
I don't think so. No, that's true. Your head is an all-purpose dark bin for all waste, rather than a modern compartmented recycling bin. Do you worry about the environmental message that sends? Well, uh, good question, Alex. Well, I am the leader of the Recyclons. That is my race on Sigma 9. Uh And we care nothing more than reusing and repurposing old things. That's why I've gone into politics, you see? And uh, yes, no, I'm I'm very keen... So you are a a recycling bin primarily? Absolutely. I I want to make sure that single-use policies are restricted at all times and that uh, I continue to use and reuse the best things from across the galaxy so that we don't have to keep on coming up with new mad things like the Kamikaze budget. Did you have to wear additional face covering during the pandemic? No, no, I come with a, a face covering built in as Just standard. Just yes or no will do, Count. I was an early adopter, Alex, on the mask front, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. I'll go further. During the pandemic, I obeyed galactic advice at all times, and I ensured that I maintained a distance of at least one planet from Earth at all times. Hmm. So I hung out on Mars. Yeah, that's social distancing, all right. Your next Titanic struggle was against Boris Johnson. Your policies included giving the NHS a trillion a week, yes. a pledge to make Piers Morgan zero emissions by 2030, yes. and to move the hand dryer by the urinals at the Crown and Treaty pub to a more sensible position. Why do you think, despite such eye-catching policies, you failed to be victorious? I don't know what to say to that. I take issue with that question, Alex, because victory, of course, is a... Uh, in the eye of the beholder. So you might say that on that night, Boris Johnson scored a, inverted commas, majority. But actually, let's look at the details. Let's get into the nitty gritty, because I scored the magic number of votes, 69. That's right, Alex. Against the blonde bombshell, I scored a surprising 69 in an Uxbridge sports hall on Friday the 13th in the pouring rain at 3 a.m. I'd love to say that's a first, but with Boris Johnson, you never know. You then stood at the London mayoral election. You did better than both Pierce Corbyn and the UKIP candidate, a man quite literally called Gammons. Does this feel like a step forward? Absolutely. Absolutely it does, Alex. I mean, look at that. If you can't, the first and second choice votes in the London mayoral election 2021, I scored over 92,000 human votes. Take that in, listeners. That's actual humans. Some of you listening, I'm sure. 92,000 actual votes. How many votes has Elizabeth Truss had to become prime minister? 83,316. You, Alex, are looking at a bin with a greater mandate for power than the British Prime Minister. I call that progress. That's actually quite frightening. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. How have 
have the politicians' teams treated you on the campaign trail? Anyone get really annoyed at you? Political teams, you say? Yeah. Actually, far from it. I've, I've had nothing but civility from British politicians and their teams, and I would like to commend politicians of all stripes and parties for the fact that beyond the extremities of the interweb, what actually you find when you meet people up close is people do want to debate. They do want to find out why I am so much better than them. All I would say is there is one gentleman who at one point didn't seem quite so keen on a chinwag, and that was the Labour Party candidate in Maidenhead in 2017, who was a lovely man called Pat, but while all his fellows in the Labour Party, which, uh, as you'll know, at that point was under the dominion of Mr Corbyn, that he didn't want to talk to me, Pat, and in fact, he walked in the opposite direction, despite me calling his name several times. And then he hid in a branch of hardware store Wilco rather than talk to Count Binface. Now, look, he may have just been needing a new pair of garden shears. I don't know, but uh, he, he didn't seem quite so keen on a chat with a recyclon as everyone else. But, you know, even the Ukippers, even Loza Fox, they've all been happy to chat to me on the campaign trail. And so I applaud them for that. Hmm. What about election officials? Do they tremble at your presence or stay calm and carry on? Or do you detect that they're quite pleased to have you in their constituency? It adds a little bit of je ne sais quoi. I would say you've actually very neatly summarised the trajectory of their emotions. (laughs) (laughs) To begin with, they they do tremble. Then they sort of, uh, they take me under their wing a little bit. And in the end, they, they celebrate it. I remember the, the chap in uh, Axbridge, Lloyd, a lovely gentleman. I had a very nice time working with him. And, uh, you know, these humans on election night do a very, very difficult job under trying circumstances. You know, democracy, not just in the UK, but across the galaxy, is in dire straits. And these guys, under no sort of heraldry at all, no one gives them any credit, but they hold up the fort. And I give them and everyone in every polling station every credit. And I think they're great people. Having experienced both first past the post and proportional representation, how are they different for a candidate? Excellent question. Well, that's a very pertinent one as well, because obviously I am the only mainstream politician dedicated to bringing in proportional representation at general elections. But also because I don't know if you noticed this, but recently the Tories have snuck through a law in which even the London mayoral election, which was conducted under a dilute form of PR, which Mm. I do like, they've abandoned that for first past the post. Mm. Now, I despise that because first past the post is a system which clearly is designed to favour the party which usually wins, Mm. the establishment party. And when they don't come first, they like to blame the post. You know, the postal voting system and all that. I believe that's how it gets its name. Yes. But for me, no, no, no. I'm all about widening the support so that the inverted commas smaller parties get due representation. And that includes me. If I have 1% of the vote, I should have 1% of Parliament. And that's how it works. Proportional representation does result in more cooperative politics. So if you had to choose, which mainstream party or parties would you go into coalition with? That's a very good question. I mean, there'd be a few deal breakers, Alex. Like, for example, if I was to hold the balance of power, I would demand that I hold the, you know, power. 
And so I'd have to be PM. That would be the starting point. After that, you know, whether you have a, a, a Labour right or a, a Greenie or a, one of these liberal Democrat things I hear about once in a while, whatever that is, you know, I don't particularly mind. I mean, I think deep down, they all pretty much believe the same kind of thing, don't you think? They just have a favourite colour of red, yellow or green. That tends to be how it works. So, you know, I don't particularly mind if I have to work with Lisa Nandy or Caroline Lucas or even good old Ed Davey, wherever he is. But, uh, you know, I think they're all pretty much friendly chaps and chapettes. Do you regret not having uh, come to Earth sooner so that you could have faced Nigel Farage? No. <laughs> That's a, a sane attitude. Have you considered entering the U.S. Republican primaries? You might have a, a good chance there. The Republican primaries? Are you kidding me? I'm far too sane for that. <laughs> I don't believe I'd stand a hope in hell. Look at them. I mean, honestly, where the where the biggest mouthpiece, other than the orange monstrosity, Mr. Trump, is that Giuliani figure whose hair grease runs down his face and calls press conferences at landscaping solution venues. I mean, this is a joke party, right? I am not a joke party, and I'm making clear that I don't want any association with novelty politics, although I do, do appreciate that they have a right to stand. OK, let's explore just one very pertinent policy area. How would you solve the energy crisis? Ah, now, that is a good one. Well, I mean, the first thing's first. I think this is tricky because, of course, there's that nasty Dobby the war prick, Putin, in Russia doing his nefarious deeds. And one hopes that, uh, again, maybe by the time of recording, some uh, nice KGB, FSB chappy in the Kremlin drops a bit of Novichok in his tea or his vodka and, uh, and helps us all out. So we can only hope for that. But in the meantime, while things are as precarious as they are, I suggest that each nation makes use of whatever it has a surplus of and uses that for energy. So on Sigma 9, we use starlight, mm -hmm. water, hydrogen, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. What have you guys got a surplus of? Elimination voting TV shows, queuing, imitation KFC restaurants, non-imitation KFC restaurants, <laughs> stuff like that. I would use their resources and turn that into the kind of energy that households across Britain needs. I would also tax people like Jacob Rees-Mogg at 100%. And that would also, I think, cover up a bit of the shortfall. OK, finally, in your short political career, and this is a very pertinent question considering our current PM, you have faced both an android and a space clown. Which is more dangerous? Oh, how interesting. I, it, it, does that mean you are referring to Theresa May as an android, the Maybot, mm -hmm. and that Boris Johnson is a space clown? Yes, I think you know the truth on those two. I, I, I'm just pleased to hear a human using the correct technical terms. This is fantastic. I've well, done my research. Well, look, I'll put it like this. Every single time I come across a human Earth leader, I have been left with the question, well, nobody could be worse than that. <laughs> And every single time, I've been proved wrong. So, Theresa May, well, she detonated her own majority and got crushed by a space warrior. So that's pretty bad. Boris Johnson, 
got crushed by his own ego, which is even funnier. So the problem is that both of them appear to be eclipsed by Liz Truss. Unless, of course, there is a darker truth, Alex, which I do believe we should explore here, mm -hmm. which is, is Liz Truss really a complete idiot and the most moronic person ever to hold the greatest office in the United Kingdom? Or, as I am starting to believe, is she not a sleeper agent? Because there are two possibilities. One, she said that she was a big fan of Boris Johnson. And there could be no better way to support Boris than being the worst trust-a-fuck of a successor there could possibly be to make all the Tory MPs wish for Bojo to come back. Mm. So that's one possibility. There's an even darker one. As I think you know, when she was just a mere youngling, Liz Truss was a liberal Democrat, believe it or not. And she is on record saying that the monarchy should be abolished. She said that. Mm -hmm. What did she do two days into her premiership? She killed the queen. So, you know, this is some pretty dark stuff going on here. And all I ask you to do is to think, if she's that bad, what could be next? Goodness me. That's why you need Benface. Count Benface, thank you for your time and for resisting the urge to vaporize me. Thank you. That's all right. Well interviewed. I liked it. His Excellency's book, What on Earth? An Alien's Guide to Fixing Britain, is out now. Remember, there's a new bunker every day, and don't forget to subscribe, review, and rate us. And if you want to support galactically probing interviews like this, you can back our work on the funding platform Patreon. Just search for Bunker Podcast Patreon. Let me close with the words of Jonathan Swift. Satire is a sort of glass wherein beholders do generally discover everybody's face but their own. Maybe then it is in Count Binface's mercilessly reflective head in which beholders are incapable of discovering any other face but their own, where the true power of His Excellency lies. All one can do is plead for mercy. This is Alexandre in the bunker saying, Mercy, Your Excellency, mercy. You got it, mate. This intergalactic edition of The Bunker was written and presented by Alex Andreu. Count Binface's underlings for this episode were Jacob Archbold, Yelena Sofonievich and Alex Reese. And the assistant underling was Kasia Tomashevich. The lead underling was Jacob Jarvis. And the audio underling was me, Jay Bailey. Group underling was Andrew Harrison. And The Bunker is a Podmasters production. All hail the bin. <laughs> <laughs>